it's great to come your way uh, via our live stream on Facebook. We're going to be looking in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 10. Share a message entitled, Continue. I certainly appreciate the fact that we were able to observe the Lord's table together this morning. And that was a real blessing to my heart to be able to do that. And uh, my prayer has been that uh, there'll be a spe that would have been a special time for you also. And it's wonderful to know that we can con connect with each other on a continuing basis, uh, irregardless of what's going on in the world. And so uh, I want to encourage you tonight as Paul will give uh, some uh, last minute instruction to young Timothy about this matter of continuing on. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 10, <clears throat> But thou hast fully known my doctrine, matter, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, uh, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus." All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. <clears throat> Let's pray and ask God to teach us tonight as we study the word of God. Father, we come to you, Lord, as a needy people. We come to you aware of the fact that um, without you, we can do nothing. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for this great challenge that Paul gives to young Timothy on this matter of to continue. And uh, so, Lord, speak to us. Uh, impress upon our hearts, Lord, how we can uh, continue to live out this Christian life. Uh, things have changed in, our, in the world that we live in. Certainly things have uh, been uncomfortable to deal with and uh, other things have been very difficult to deal with. Uh, but God, we're thankful that there, you're still in the throne of heaven. You're still in control of all things and you're still aware of who we are and where we are and what our needs are. And uh, so we rejoice in that tonight, Lord, and we're thankful uh, for your watch care over us. Help us to just be practical this evening and take some thoughts and just uh, put it into our lives, Lord, to help us to continue on in our walk with our God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our text verse is verse 14. In verse 14 it says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And so right there, that first sentence in that verse is the title of our message, Continue. Now, the Apostle Paul is really giving a ch great challenge to young Timothy in this matter of continuing in the faith. You know, Paul is about ready to depart from this life. 
Actually, in chapter 4, uh, he'll say, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And so just before his departing out of this life, he's wanting to be an encouragement to young Timothy. It reminds me of the care, watch care of Jesus Christ for his disciples. It's amazing as you read uh, the Gospels that prior to Jesus' crucifixion, he would take time uh, to give instruction to his disciples. He would encourage them. John chapter 14, what a powerful chapter in uh, helping them to be comforted in the reality that he was about ready to die on Calvary. Chapter 15 deals with the whole concept of being Oh, uh, and, and Christ being the true vine and we being the branches and our life comes from Christ in chapter 16, dealing with the comforter that is coming, the Holy Spirit of God in chapter 17, the great intercessory prayer of Christ for his disciples and for us. And I mean, it just goes on and goes on, but all those pages of instruction was given for the purpose of being a comfort to his disciples because he was getting ready to depart from this life. And the Apostle Paul is following that same example as he is ready to be offered. He is ready to depart and go to glory. He wants to be an encouragement to this young preacher boy by the name of Timothy. And so he tells him, but continue. That word continue is an amazing word because it's in the present tense. Uh, the Greek word present tense uh, is for the purpose, it's actually something that's happening right now and continuing to happen and not stopping. It's in the active voice. And the active voice means the subject is doing the action. Uh, there is much that God will do for us, but not, Dr. Malone always used to say, God will never do for you what you can do for yourself. And so when Paul says continue, uh, he's saying, now, wait a minute, you need to day by day, every day of your life, continue moving ahead, and it's your decision to do so. And it's in the imperative mood, which is the mood of um, command. Uh, he's not suggesting that Timothy continue. He's commanding Timothy to continue. And I, I, will, I just know the word of God is so powerful. The challenge to us is that every day we must make a decision when we rise up in the morning of how we're going to continue in our life as a Christian and be an example to others. And so uh, it's a command. He tells him here, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Uh, the Greek word for learned is in what's known as the aorist tense. You're getting an English lesson, so hopefully some of the kids from our high school are paying attention, and uh, they'll be able to get an English lesson. And if I do something wrong, Mrs. Kennedy will straighten me out later, amen? But anyway, the aorist tense, from what I understand, the aorist tense is the tense that basically establishes there was something that happened at a point in time. So in other words, there's a time when you didn't know a way to be saved, but all of a sudden, somebody shared the scripture for you, and now you know how to be saved. So at that point, that's, that's where the, the aorist tense is what would establish that point. 1979 is when I heard the gospel clearly for the first time. 
And uh, that, as a result of that, getting understanding the gospel, I got saved. And so when I say I'm saved, I would say it in the aorist tense, because there's a point in time where that took place. And the word learn is also in the active voice. So it is, once again, the uh, subject doing the action. And it's in the indicative mood, which is a statement of facts. So when I say I got saved in 1979, I'm saying there is a point in time where I understood the gospel was convicted by the Spirit of God. I called on Christ, surrendered my life to the Lord, and this is when it took place. It's a statement of facts. And so Paul's telling Timothy, listen, you need to continue in those things at a point in time that you learned that became a part of reality in your life. And so he says, the things that thou hast learned. And he says, and hast been assured of. Uh, this word assured of means to be firmly persuaded. You know, when I got saved, I was completely and firmly persuaded that I was saved. Uh, there's been people over the years say, well, you can't know that you're saved. Oh, yes, I can know that I'm saved. Uh, based on the things that I learned, I want to continue in the things that I learned at a point in time when I got saved. And this is a matter of assured of in the Greek, uh, literally is in the aorist tense. So there was a point in time where you were confident, you were assured of what took place. It's in, it's in the passive voice. This is the interesting thing. The passive voice. The passive voice is the subject is receiving the action. You know, you have to make a decision for Christ in the active action of the subject, but you receive the salvation of Christ. You don't work that salvation yourself. And so you receive that, and it's in an indicative mood, which means that's a statement of fact. So it's just interesting, the first sentence of this, this verse that Paul is basically saying that you right now need to make a decision each and every moment of your life, making that decision to decide to live your life based on what you experience in a point of time of learning and understanding who God is and what your relationship with Christ is, and based on that understanding, have received from Christ the salvation of God and you're secure and satisfied and assured of that. So what is the product? What is the outcome? You continue. You continue. You don't give up. You don't stop. We live in the days of COVID-19. Never thought I'd live in days of COVID-19. But the reality is, in, even in the days of COVID-19, moreover, brethren, is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. So we have to continue. You know, sickness and disease, financial ruin or blessings, security or lack of security, whatever it may be in our lives does not change the reality that we can continue on in living our Christian life. And that's what Paul's telling Timothy here. He warns him about these things are gonna happen, things that he experienced, things that Timothy will experience, that still, in light of all that, he was to continue, continue, continue. So how could Timothy continue on when he's discouraged? 
How can Timothy continue on when he felt defeated? Uh, how could Timothy continue on when he realizes that he's despised? How could Timothy move on when he oh, uh, felt that he was deserted? Uh, so there's some practical things in these verses where we read that will help us to understand how to continue. If we're commanded to continue, then we need to continue. First of all, I see in verse 10 and 11 that we can continue by individual example. <clears throat> by that, I mean the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy his life that he lived and the example that he left for Timothy. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to have someone you can look to in your life as an example that you can follow. And I, I love reading a great missionary stories. I like to read old preachers' uh, biographies, autobiographies. Uh, I like to listen to preaching from old-time preachers. And uh, if nothing else, it helps me to connect with someone who has lived a life that continued in the faith and that has showed me how to live the Christian life. I was not raised in a Christian home per se. My mother was a Christian. She took us to church, and we went to church in Sunday school. My father did not get saved until I was 27 years old, and uh, so my dad was not a Christian. Although I will say this, my dad is an unsaved man, raised me with more Christian principles than what Christian men raised their children to live by today. And what a great example we can learn from that. So I'm thankful for examples in my life that I can turn to and depend upon to help me to continue. Because the reality is, there's a lot of times I don't feel like continuing on. Uh, at 35, 36 years now, I've been in ministry, and I tell you, there's been a lot of quitting places. There's been a lot of times that I said, you know what, I've had enough of this, I'll go do something else. I remember many a time when I said, you know what, I could just go ahead and go get me in a big tractor and trailer and head for California, and I'd just be as happy as a bug in a rug. Uh, why? Because of the fact that I don't know, I can get out there, I don't depend on people, I can get out there in that truck, drive down the road, ratchet jaw on the CB, and I'm just as content as anything I, and without having to deal with all the problems and difficulties in life and in ministry. But here 36 years later, where I am, I'm still preaching the word of God. That's by God's grace because of the impression of the Holy Spirit to continue. And I can continue and you can continue irregardless of the circumstances in your life. Just because we're not meeting in the church building does not mean your Christianity stops. Just because of the fact that you might not be in our Christian school teaching doesn't mean as a Christian school teacher, your life as a Christian stops. Uh, just because of the fact that you may not be able to go to work because your job was one that was deemed unnecessary, but the reality is it's necessary to you because you need that job to pay your bills, but it was deemed unnecessary and you're not working. That does not mean that this is an opportunity for you to cease being a Christian. And so Paul says, continue. How can I continue? I can continue by the example that was set for me. And so Paul tells Timothy, Here's, I've tried to be an example for you. So let's look at that, verse 10 and 11. 
Uh, he says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, uh, charity and patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at, at Iconium, at Lystra, uh, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. So here's an example. First of all, he says, thou hast fully known my doctrine. So what does doctrine mean? It just simply means this. Timothy, you know what I believe. You know, there should never be any confusion about people knowing what you believe. And certainly you should not be following somebody where you're confused about what they believe. I've seen people just flip-flop on doctrinal issues, and the reality is we're not supposed to be uh, tossed about with every wind of doctrine. And so Paul says this, you can continue on because I have lived a life that has demonstrated what I believe. And what you believe ought to be dear to your heart, and you need to hold on to them. Uh, what you believe should not be based on emotions and trends. It should be based on the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so uh, we can continue on. Timothy can continue on because he understood he had an example to look to, to the Apostle Paul of doctrine, what he believed. Notice he says manner of life. The word manner of life means how he lived. You know, I'm so thankful that I have people in my life that I can identify that, you know, since I've been saved, I've watched they live their life as a Christian, and no matter what stage in life they are in, <coughs> whatever experiences they may be going through, no matter how old they are or how young they are, they can consistently live the Christian life. And uh, we live in a world that just seems to think that we ought to be ever evolving as a Christian into what society is evolving into. Uh, but the sad thing is we're not. We're supposed to be uh, separated. We're supposed to be steadfast in our commitment to the Lord. And so we're supposed to have a manner of life so we know how to live. I mean, I thought when I first got saved, my wife and I, we've often talked about this uh, over the years when we both got saved because uh, my wife's family was not a Christian family. Her mom was a Methodist. Her dad was a Catholic. Neither one of them were saved or born again. And uh, so now, all of a sudden, we get saved. We're married. We got saved. And I felt God calling me to preach. And I was like, well, I don't even know how to live the Christian life. How, when you say you're a Christian, what does that mean? When it says, oh, well, this is what your conduct should be as a Christian, we had no idea what that meant. And so we just started reading the Bible. And after reading the Bible, if we came across a passage that said, this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do, we did what the Bible said we should do. And, and I, we didn't make it complicated. We just were willing to say, okay, we want to know how to live and who can we look to. And then God started bringing people into our life that we could look to that lived a life as an example so that we could know how to live our life. And it's easier. Listen, the longer you're saved, the longer you continue, the more you have someone to be an example for you to follow, uh, the easier it becomes for you to live your Christian life. Uh, the sad thing is I have watched, I have watched uh, over these many years that people will change 
how they live because of the age of their children. And I'm telling you, you are doing your children a disservice if you do not continue living a life that is depicted as a Christian life and not trying to blend the Christian life with the worldly life together. It doesn't work. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, I know that because I've observed it for 36 years and I've watched people's lives go down the drain real fast because we will not identify with the example that God has provided on what we're supposed to be as a Christian. So Paul says, I'm, I'm an individual example for you to follow. My doctrine, what I believe, my manner of life, how he lived. And then he says, purpose. Purpose is where was he focused? He had a purpose. Where was he focused? Before I got saved, I didn't have any purpose in my life. I was just kind of floundering, bouncing from one thing to another. I worked for so many different companies after I got out of the Marine Corps. Didn't know what I was going to do for life. I went on with driving tractor and trailer. I bought my own tractor and trail tractor and, and leased it out. And I worked for uh, 20 different companies the first year that I had my tractor and trailer. And uh, it just didn't have any purpose. I didn't have any direction. I didn't have any focus. And then I trusted Christ as my Savior, and everything changed. And God gave me direction and gave me purpose. And Paul says, listen, uh, you know my purpose of living. And uh, you, you, I've been an example for you to follow. And so let God give you purpose in life and live that life for the glory of God. And if you say, I don't know what the purpose of God is, is in my life, then find somebody who is focused in living the Christian life. Don't, don't connect with or try to follow somebody that is wishy-washy, hot and cold, lukewarm. Find somebody that's on fire for God and follow their example. I see Paul goes on here and says, purpose, then he says, faith. Faith is the exercise of trust with conviction. And let me say that again. Faith is the exercise of trust with conviction. You know, people say, well, I trust the Lord as my Savior, but they don't have any conviction about anything. That's not faith. That's convenience. And so we need to have faith that brings conviction on us so that we might be able to fulfill our purpose and our manner of life and our doctrine. And so faith. Notice he goes on to says, long-suffering. Long-suffering means his patience or his steadfastness. And, you know, so, you know, there's people in our church that are members of our church that became members of our church the first year or two that the church was, a, was started back in 1980. So there's members here that were, came here in 1981, some in 1982. Uh, there's, there's people that have been in this church for the past 30-some years. I'm going to tell you something. That does something to my heart because that's the long-suffering of God in their hearts. That does something for me because all churches go through ups and downs, blessed times, difficult times. They have good times, easy times, and then they have times where there's conflict in the church. But I'm thankful, let me just say this, to our church members that have been here long term, I just want to say thank you for giving us an example to follow in this matter of long-suffering. 
And how we need to be committed to God with an enduring fervor that we just aren't going to quit and we're not going to give up. So Paul tells Timothy, continue, Timothy. I've showed you what it is to be long-suffering. Then he says charity. Charity is sacrificial love. Uh, Paul was willing to sacrifice uh, many, many things to be able to demonstrate the love of Christ to his uh, believers. Uh, Pastor Dewana was saying about that a little bit in the earlier devotional that he had and, uh, in the reference. You know, it's amazing that Paul was always recognizing people that helped him in ministry. And he was always willing to show forth the love of Christ towards them. And so a sacrificial love. Then he says patience. Patience is perseverance. And uh, uh, what a joy it is to be able to see somebody that's living for God today and 20 years later they're still living for God. What a blessing it is to see someone that in all pretense and reality the difficulties that they're going through in life, you would think they would quit on God. Because I've seen so many people with just a few things in their life just walk out and quit on God. But there's people, I, I just know over the years, I've watched people that you look at it and say, man, how in the world do they keep going on? And so their perseverance, their patience that they have to persevere through. They said persecutions, that's enduring persistent hostility. Paul just over and over again had to endure persistent hostility. There's Christians around the world that are under constant pressure from authorities and from the unsaved to hurt them or to hinder them in their worship, and they just continue on. I'm really, I'm really blessed to have been able to go to some other countries and be able to see people who have absolutely nothing, but all they have is Christ, and I'm telling you, they're joyful and so excited and thrilled about being a Christian. I was talking to my brother, and he's been to Africa several times, and we were talking about this very thing, and he was saying how he's amazed that he's able to go over and preach to people that have absolutely nothing. But they are so joyful, they're so excited, they're so thrilled to be a Christian. Why? Because they understand what it is to live in a hostile state. They understand what it is to suffer for Jesus Christ. But all that they are and all that they have is Jesus. And yet we're so dependent on so many other things. And I, I want to be an example. I want to be able to help someone else continue on that when I, when I feel like I can't go on, i got to keep going on. When I, when I feel like th things are too strong and too tough to get over, I want to be able to get up and keep going on. Why? Because there is somebody you and I are being an example to. If someone was to write down a list of reasons why they would never give up on Christ, would your name be in that list in regards to what you have done to stand for God? That's what Paul is saying. In the midst of all persecutions, I tried to be a good example for you. Afflictions, he goes on, persecutions and afflictions are different. Persecutions are uh, attacks or hostility 
uh, based on rejection of your faith or commitment to God. Afflictions is just external or internal suffering. You, 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 might, you might have to, may have had to deal with this uh, COVID-19 virus. That's, that's an affliction. There's people I know I've seen over the years that have had cancer and have had to suffer with cancer. And yet they endured, they continue on in their faith in Christ. I've seen people healed from diseases that were deadly diseases. And yet I've seen others who had the same faith and the same commitment and the same resolve not healed. Because God is the author of life and death. God is the healer of all mankind. And God's will will be accomplished irregardless of what we desire in a way that he might be glorified. And Paul said, you remember the afflictions that I had that I continued on. I'm trying to be a good example for you. And then he says in uh, verse 11, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. And so the Lord delivered me deals with an undying dependence on God. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's an affliction you're going through. Maybe somebody's upset with you and your family. I'll tell you, my wife and I got saved. Boy, I'll tell you what, family members were brutal when it came to this matter of being a Christian. And uh, I'm thankful that over the years, our family has have trusted Christ as their Savior. I'm thankful for that. It may be family problems because you're trying to live for God. Listen, the Lord delivers us out of all these things. Our dependence on God is what gets us through. And Paul says, now, Timothy, you need to continue because you have watched God deliver me from whatever it was I was facing and going through. I like what Billy Graham said. He said, we are the Bible the world is reading. We are the creeds. The world is needing, and we are the sermons the world is heeding. Let me ask you something. Are you providing an example for people to see in your life so that they know, might know how to take heed to the warnings that God gives us in, his, in the Word? See, Paul tells Timothy, you need to continue. And one reason why you need to continue is because my, of my individual example that I've set before you. The second thing I see this, continue. Not only by individual example, but continue by biblical exposition. Notice in verse 15, he says, And that from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And I just thought of this matter of biblical exposition. Timothy has the ability, he has the tools, he has the wherewithal to continue because of biblical exposition. The first thought under that is this, childhood literacy. One of the things with this COVID-19 that I'm very concerned about is the fact that our school is closed down. Uh, I know the kids are working on classes at home at least I hope they are, uh, working on the classes on video to keep up their learning. But do you realize how far behind a child can get in just a short time frame? 
if they're not in that structured learning environment. So mom and dads, I would, I would challenge you to maintain that learning envir environment for your children in your home that they might be consistently doing their classwork and uh, accomplishing and, and completing that. But beyond that, there needs to be biblical instruction. There needs to be biblical uh, exposition. Uh, just because we're in lockdown and you're having to help your children with their schoolwork does not mean you should neglect their Bible teaching and need to continue in teaching your children the Bible. They need to learn scripture. They need to memorize scripture. They need to read the word of God. You need to read the word of God to them. And Paul tells Timothy that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. I'm really concerned because with church not meeting here on the church plant that we're not having Sunday school right now. We're not having junior church right now. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And so Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, oh, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. I think it's interesting that he states that the things that needed to be taught to the children, first of all, were deep embedded into the heart of the parent. And then he goes on, he says, teach uh, that thou should teach them uh, diligently unto the children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. May I just say this, it would be well around your children not to be talking about all the negativity of COVID-19. It would be well as when you're around your children not to be griping and complaining about the situation that we're in. The thing that you need to do is at this very time in your children's life is give them childhood literacy in reference to speak of the things of God. Speak of the testimony of God. Rejoice in the goodness of God. This is a great learning opportunity for you to instill in their children that they might continue on all their life because of the fact you focused on their biblical instruction as a child. So don't give up on that. Continue with that. Make sure you get that across to your children. I see not only childhood literacy, but I see scriptural purity. It says, uh, and from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The holy scriptures. Uh, there's a lot of good books you can read, a lot of th good things you can consider. Uh, but listen, it's the word of God that creates holiness in our life. Holiness is not us living according to what we think we should live. Holiness is living in accordance with what God's word has so stated. You know, I remember an old preacher years ago said this, this book, the Bible, is not a book of better ways. It is a book of commands. And we live in a, in a time in history where nobody wants to be told anything. And uh, the Bible tells us what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to be living. And so you can continue if you have that childhood literacy. I'm thankful that although the church that I went to as a child uh, did not tell me how to be saved, but I'm thankful I learned the Bible lessons. I learned about David. I learned about Goliath. I learned about Daniel. I learned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I learned about all those things, but no one taught me 
to make the application and connection personally that God cared for me. And as a result of that, I didn't get saved until I was 27 years old. But I'm telling you one thing right now. I'm thankful for the things that I learned when I was younger because they stayed with me. And may I say this, what your children learn at this age, whatever age they may be, can be embedded in their heart, will stay with them, and will make a difference on how they are going to live. So it's a book of commands. So we can continue by biblical exposition. Childhood literacy, scriptural purity, and here's a theological one for you, clear soteriology. Man, I'll tell you, you're getting theological now. What is that? Salvation. I had to use soteriology because it wouldn't rhyme if I just said salvation. Uh, clear salvation. He says here, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of them of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Clear salvation. Don't muddy the waters for your children. Make sure your children understand the way of salvation. That's through faith in Christ and Christ alone. I was talking to someone old not too long ago, and I don't remember where, where, how long ago it was, uh, but there was a, a, a statement made in reference to, well, I just think children ought to be able to make a decision for themselves on what religion they want to be. Well, first of all, children have no knowledge of what the different theological positions are in the different religions. Secondly, children have no capability to be able to make a sound decision about eternal things because foolishness is bound up in their hearts. And so your job as a parent is to teach your children the word of God. And your children will make a decision for Christ when the Spirit of God will take His Word and embed it in their heart, and you can direct them to receive Christ as their Savior. And so a clear salvation. We don't want to muddy the waters. Don't allow your kids to be connected with all kinds of Bible teaching from different organizations or movements that's contrary to what you believe. Hold to the Scriptures. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. <laughs> I love it. I've seen people over the years, they'll say, oh, I've heard sermons on that passage before. Uh, yeah, well, you need a wider and deeper understanding of that portion of scripture. Uh, you never outgrow the Bible. If you feel that there's nothing more that you can get out of the scriptures, you're backslidden. And the devil has duped you to think that you don't need to learn anything from God. I don't care if you're nine years old or if you're 90 years old. There is something God can minister to your heart through his word. It is a living book. And it broadens our understandings and it deepens our commitments as we read the word of God. A.W. Tozer said... The word of God well understood and religiously obeyed is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. He goes on and says this, And we must not select a few favorite passages 
to the exclusion of others. And now here it is. Now get this. Pay attention right now. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. Don't pick and choose passages that make you feel all fuzzy and buzzy about yourself. Read the whole Word of God, the whole counsel of God. And yes, some of the passages are hard to understand. Yes, some of the passages are hard to accept that that's what my life needs to become. But the reality is it takes the whole book to make a whole Christian. Continue, continue, continue. How can I continue? You have an example to follow. How can you continue? You have a Bible to study. And then the last thought is this. By practical exercise. Notice in verse 16. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And so, all good works. An individual example was the Apostle Paul. The biblical exposition was the Scriptures, the Word of God. The practical exercise is all good works. And here's what we do. He says, doctrine. All scripture is given by inspiration. God is profitable for doctrine. So keep my doctrine right. It does not benefit you to get caught up with every wind of doctrine. I've had people leave the church because they get connected with somebody that has false doctrine. And boy, how they woo them and how they draw them away from their faith in Christ. No, keep your doctrine straight. Keep your doctrine right. He says, for doctrine for reproof. The word proof means to keep my conviction strong. Saints of God, hold to your convictions. A conviction is something that you're willing to die for. This Bible is being inspired of God is a conviction of mine. I'll die for the Bible. The fact that Mary was a virgin. She was not a young woman. She was a virgin. The virgin birth of Christ is a doctrinal position to die for. We do not turn away from those things. We live by conviction. And we need strong convictions today. Notice he says correction. So keep my conduct straight. I've got to have God keeping my conduct straight. The practical way to live, to be able to continue, I have to be right with God. And then instruction, it means to keep maturing, to keep maturing. And uh, you need to always be growing in your faith and your resolve to live for God. And then he says, instruction in righteousness, keep my integrity with God. Instruction in righteousness. Uh, the practical exercise of continuing. And here it is. Keep my doctrine right. Keep my conviction strong. Keep my conduct straight. Keep my maturing. And keep my integrity with God. It may, may I say this? It really doesn't matter what other people think about you. What matters is what does God think about you. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain 
in the Lord. You know, it's an amazing thing. One of the wonderful things about this streaming live is you can tell who's on and watching. And there's quite a few. There's several. I want to say quite a few. There's several of our church members. I haven't seen them online. And uh, why, aren't you, why aren't you online? Why aren't you watching? Why aren't you studying the Word of God with us? You know, the amazing thing is I've watched how many people will disconnect and discontinue living for Christ. No, Paul wanted to encourage Timothy. Timothy, continue. Let me challenge you. Continue. These are not days to quit. These are not days to give up. These are not days to turn away. These are days of, of, of hope. And days of excitement and expectation, these are days to know that God is still desiring for us continue in our faith. He doesn't want us to stop. And I just know there, there's nothing that you can accomplish in impacting other people's lives if you quit. And so we, we want to continue. We want to continue. Well, let's pray. My Father, I come to you. I thank you. Uh, what great grace has been extended to us. I'm thankful, Lord, that Paul gave an example for Timothy to follow. And I'm thankful there's people that I look to that have provided a good example for me to follow. Lord, I'm so thankful for the Bible. I'm thankful that it never changes. I'm thankful that it's ever settled in heaven. I'm thankful, Lord, that everything I need to know about life and living this life, and not just here but in eternity, I can find my hope in the Lord through the scriptures. And God, I'm thankful for the practical way that we can exercise that faith and just allowing God to continue to give us hope, uh, give us strength, uh, give us direction, uh, give us conviction. Uh, Lord, I'm just thankful that we can continue on. I pray there might be somebody who's been listening tonight. They're about ready to just give up. They're about ready to turn away from their God. Lord, Holy Spirit of God, will you touch them and convict them and turn them, Lord, back to our Savior. Lord, help us to continue on. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.